morning, Thrive Church. How we doing this morning? All right. Let me make sure my pack is working because I have had issues with my battery pack. And yes, it should be working. Uh, check my own. All right. Sorry about that. I've had issues with my battery pack. Let me make sure that thing was working. Technology always fails you. It's the first rule of public speaking, right? Did you ever learn that? So it's good to have you guys with us today as we continue our series in the book of Acts. And we've been journeying through this since Easter because I want you guys to know, like the unstoppable movement that we're a part of called Christianity, I want you to know how it started and what really the, the basics, the fundamentals of what our faith was built upon, and which is beautiful, before there ever was a Bible, before there ever was like an organized church, there was an unstoppable movement that spread through the Roman Empire. And so I'm excited today to continue that and turn to Acts 17, verse 10. Acts 17, verse 10. Now, I'm skeptical about anybody who says there's one thing that's going to change your life. Besides Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer for everything. But like, if somebody says, you've got to read this book, this book will change your life. I'm like, oh, really? I want to read it just so I can prove to you that book you read didn't change my life. <laughs> or you've got to get this, this supplement. If you get this, it'll change your life. Or get this thing. Like, I, it's almost like I feel like I'm in sold an infomercial. For $19.99, get this and wait, there's more. And so I'm very skeptical of those things that, that can just fix anything. The one thing that can change everything because in life, I believe there's multiple streams that come into our life that affect the change and give us the life that God desires for us and helps us to become the people we want to be, right? But today, I want to kind of fight against my own thinking. Because there is one quality, there is one thing that will change your life. I promise you. And I've seen this over and over again. And especially, it was true in my life and it's still true today. As we journey through the book of Acts, we're going to see a group of people today that actually exemplify this. So the only ones in the New Testament that we hear this quality about. And so it's very interesting when you see that in the Bible, you see this one thing, these one people that did this one thing. It's so important. Now, how we got here was this. Paul is now in Europe, and he's spreading the gospel to the outermost parts of the earth. Now, we, we told you before, if you're skeptical of Christianity, if you've come to church kind of like saying, I don't know if I really believe the Bible, I, don't know if, I think it's a book of fairy tales, I'm not sure, the book of Acts is just for you. Because this guy, Luke, was the only Gentile writer, and Luke was a researcher, he was a doctor. And so what he did was, was he wrote the gospel of Luke to his friend Theophilus, that we, that we stated before, to say, hey, Theophilus, I know there's other accounts of Jesus, I know there's Mark, I know there's Matthew, John hadn't been written yet, like... But, but hey, hey, here's the deal. I want to give you an orderly account of what really happened. And Luke didn't stop there. He then wrote the book of Acts, which we're in, which is a, a history book. So if you're like, I, I think the, the Bible is just a book of fairy tales. No, it's a history book because he researched and wanted to find out and talk with Paul and other leaders about what happened in the early church. And not only that, it gets better. He joins the journey halfway through the book of Acts. He joins Paul's teams at first hand. He's like writing this stuff down. He's seeing it. And so what you have in the book of Acts is a historical research document that is 30 to 40 years of the first early history of the early church. And what Jesus said to them after he resurrected was this, and this is the whole key to the book of Acts. He says, go and wait for me. I'm going to ascend into heaven. And you wait and you pray and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And that happened the day of Pentecost. The church is born. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak with tongues that are their known languages. People begin to hear the gospel in the, the known language. And the movement began powerfully. 3,000 saved in one day. 
But the problem was this. Jesus didn't say, have fun in Jerusalem to Jews. He said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts. The Jews did not want to do that. So then you have God who saves this guy named Saul who was killing Christians. He was a chief leader of the Jews, killing Christians. Saves him, redeems him. For 14 years, Paul goes away and studies the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. That's the law and the prophets, the Torah. To find out what does it say about Jesus. And then he comes back on the scene, he resurfaces. And when he does, God gives him a very unique ministry to non-Jews. Because to that point, Jews didn't know if non-Jews could even be saved. Or if they could, how Jewish do they have to be? And so Paul then goes, and his whole argument, we look, look at that, is you don't have to be Jewish to be saved. Like, like us here, we can observe Jewish holidays and enjoy those and say, man, this is really cool because like our, our faith is kind of rooted in, in those things. But you don't have to be Jewish to be Christian. And so he spends the rest of his ministry and his life going to the outermost parts, to Gentiles, sharing the gospel. And now Paul's in Europe. He just came out of Thessalonica. He had preached there to the Thessalonians. He was only there a short time because he goes in there preaching the gospel, and they don't receive it. Like he gets, I mean, he gets his life gets threatened there. He was there for two weeks in Thessalonica, started a church, established leaders, and then had to leave. That's pretty phenomenal. Could you imagine starting a church in two weeks? <laughs> it takes years to do that. And so what we do is we catch up that after he leaves Thessalonica, he goes to a place called Berea. And Berea is one of the most special places in the New Testament. Because what you're going to see, what happens there, we don't hear it happening anywhere else in the book of Acts. So if you will, look at Acts 17, verse 10, and it says, That very night the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea, because they were under persecution from Thessalonica. It says, When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Paul always went to the Jewish synagogue first. Why? Because the Jews were awaiting Messiah. He was Jewish. He had stu- he, I mean, he was an expert in what we call the Old Testament, which was, which was his Bible. And he would open it up and he would share with them all through Genesis through Malachi how it all speaks about Jesus being Messiah. He always went there first, everywhere he went. And it says in verse 11, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. Now watch this now, Thessalonica, he just came from there, they were more open-minded. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Now that's not the end of it. Listening eagerly is great. Hopefully you are today. But look what happens next. It says this, they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Let me say it one more time. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek men and women, the Jews and Gentiles both believed. What you see with the Bereans there is you see a noble people who wanted to know what is the truth about Scripture. They had, they, they had something within them that I believe every follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you should have this as well because this is what could lead you into true faith in Christ, is they had something that we all need. And I want to talk about that today. And so if you have your notes handy, write this down, because I do believe this is what we have to learn from them, is there is one quality that will change your life. There is. That's what we learned from the Bereans. There's one quality. No matter how young or old you are, and can I say this? If you're younger, now, now, if, you, now if you're older, I mean, like me, you know, you get, you get you're kind of getting up there. 
or maybe you are there. No matter where you're at, there's one quality that will change your life. You say, man, that's big, Kevin. You're saying one thing? There's one thing? Yes, there is one thing. And over my years in ministry, the people who have this one thing are people that have not only a better quality of life, but they are leaned into the kingdom. God uses them. They have flourishing all around them. You just see God's hand on their life. You see them transformed. And the one quality that they have, they, that people have is this. They have a hunger, a desire to want to grow in the scriptures. This, this here is center point in their life. And as I shared before, in America, we're in a really bad state in the church in America. And it's not because of any political party. Some of you get so riled up about that. The problem with the church is the church. It's not church as a building, it's Christians. Because here's what we turn this into. I believe in the good book. That's not good enough. I believe every word in it. Do you know demons believe every word in here too? They do. James says that. And they tremble. The problem with believers in this day and time is we're not like the Bereans. See, write this down. This is important. The Bereans were hungry for scriptural truth. Hungry for scriptural truth. Today, we want to just, you know, create a God in our own image. Either God's going to shape you into his image or you're going to shape him into your own image. Believers today aren't hungry for what the scriptures really say. Because they know if they get to that point, then they may have to give some things up. But can I tell you, if you hunger for Scripture, if you really hunger for the Word of God, for scriptural truth, it will change your life. I mean, this, and what's unique about this is this here, amen. What's unique about this is here, if you think, man, that, that this is just a book that you read, like any other book on the shelf, you're mistaken. What's beautiful about the scriptures, about the Holy Scripture, the Bible that separates it from any other religious book, is that it wasn't, Jesus never wrote one thing about himself. Confucius wrote about himself. Buddha wrote the Four Noble Truths. Muhammad wrote the, the Book of Islam, right? Like, they, these, these one guy, these one, Joseph Smith wrote the Book of Mormon. One guy, one time, one off, and they, were present, they presented, presented themselves as great. Be, I mean, they, they made themselves shine, right? The Bible, 35 different authors, 1,500 years in the making, 66 different books that all have the same message. And that's what Paul was trying to get across to the Bereans, the message of Jesus. See, the Bible is not a book. The Bible is something that can change your life. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, men wrote it. We wrote every book in history, right? But they were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And so when you read this, it isn't just words you're reading. It's not principles. It's not good teachings. It literally is a spiritual book that as you read it, it transforms your life. You know, Solomon said this. He said, get wisdom above everything else and above riches. Search the scriptures for wisdom. We're taught that if you meditate to muse, to think deeply, to really go into the scriptures and hunger and search for them, it, the scriptures say this, if you meditate upon his word, that person that does that will flourish in all that they do. You will flourish. If you're asking yourself now, I'm not really flourishing in life. Are you hungry for scriptural truth? 
You know, David said this. He said, I have hidden God's word in my heart. Why? So I may not sin against him. That it keeps your life within bounds of what God has for you. I, I love what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews says that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate even the soul and the spirit. Like a sword will cut you, but let me tell you what the, what the scriptures will do to you when you hunger. They'll separate your soul and your spirit. Your emotions, your will, your intellect, your desires, everything that's you, and then you have the Holy Spirit that resides in your spirit. And when you read the scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, I know that you think this way, but it's wrong. I know you think your anger's cute. It's wrong. I know you, and, and he begins to separate this, a spiritual book that will change your life. And can I tell you, when I first gave my life to Jesus, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I had a Bible that was given to me at graduation. I showed up late because I was drunk and high the night before. <laughs> Come wandering into this old country church because grandma told me I had to go, hadn't been in years. I got that Bible and I got out of there. Didn't stay for service. Got up there, smiled, and left. I was hungover. I wasn't a Christian. Don't look at me like that. I got a King James Bible, which I didn't understand. It was written in Shakespearean, you know, English there. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I dug into this thing. I lost every friend that I had. I was a total degenerate. I wasn't a good kid who just you know, started going to church. And what transformed me was searching the scriptures, hungering, memorizing. I mean, what I did too, and like people told me this is wrong, but I was like, I, I didn't think it was wrong. Like, like, because it's, it's the words of the, of the Bible that are, that are precious, not just the paper. I would highlight and underline and, color, and write notes. And I mean, it was like a coloring book in there. It got to the point I had to tape the thing together. I didn't want to have to give it up. One day I eventually gave it to a guy who needed his life changed. I said, now I want to give this Bible to you, an older gentleman that I work with. And so what I say to you today is not just a message or a sermon I need to give to you. I'm telling you, this will change your life. The problem, though, that I see is, is that so many of us don't hunger for the Word of God. We're just not hungry. We're filled up on everything else. And my prayer for you this week has been is that you would hunger. See, the Bereans hungered for scriptural truth. And the reason the scriptures are so important is because they reveal. You know, you remember the old song back in the 90s, What If God Was One Of Us? Like, go listen on Spotify if you don't, if you, don't you know, have it or if you don't know it. But what, well, he was one of us. And we, we can know what God is like. And here's how we know it, through the scriptures. That's how God reveals himself. Like, when you read the Bible, you have to realize that it reveals to you the nature and character of God. What is God like? When you read the scriptures, you know what God is like. You know what makes him happy. You know what makes him sad. You know the job description that he's given to you. You know the things that he tells you to do and to not to do. Like, the thing that drives me crazy, and I'll say this over and over again to you, somebody says, well, what do you believe about the Bible, Pastor Kevin, about this or that? Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what I believe, because if you don't search and study, I'm not standing in front of God for you. you got to stand in front of God, and you better search, and you better know what it says about some of these issues and topics that you're, that you're railing against God about. You better know and not guess, because this reveals the nature and character of God. Have you ever had somebody misrepresent your character? Like, like to say to other people what you're like, and that's not what you're really like. That's what happens whenever we tell people about what God is like without 
understanding that his nature is revealed through the scriptures. God, does God want you happy? Yes and no. God wants you to be shaped and molded into his image, right? The image of Christ. He wants you to be holy. And we make these statements, and we, and we end up going around misrepresenting God all the time. We don't know the nature and character of God. If you want to know what God, the creator of the universe, is like, it's revealed in here. Uh, the, the second thing you have to know, too, is this. The scriptures reveal the plan of God through Christ. That's what Paul was sharing to the Bereans. He was saying, hey, look, let's start in Genesis. Let's go through Malachi, the, the law, the prophets, the Torah, all that. Let's look at this. He said, let me show you the plan of God through Christ. If you want to know what's the Bible about, that 1,500 years, 66 books, 35 authors, Matthew to Revelation is about the story of Jesus redeeming mankind from sin. That's the whole message of the Bible all the way through, if you want to know what the Bible's about. And so if you want to know what the, what the plan of God through Christ is, start in Genesis, go all the way through, and you'll, you'll see that. That's the plan of God through Christ. The third thing it reveals, which is very important, if you don't get this, the other two don't matter, it reveals our true nature. And we're in a cultural war right now of being fed garbage through social media and through television. People, I, I had somebody get angry with me. I think they may have commented on one of our, um, our live broadcasts when I said this, Jeremiah 17, 9, that our hearts are desperately wicked. My heart's not desperately wicked. I'm a good person. Ma'am, you cannot be saved if you believe that. Happy July 4th weekend. I've come to offend you. <laughs> if we don't realize that we were born into depravity and sin, and we cannot save ourselves, and we're not good people, we are sinners that are in need of salvation. If you don't recognize that part of it, if you believe in this garbage of trust yourself, believe in yourself, and all that stuff, that this new age garbage, if you believe all that, you can't have a savior. There is no savior without sin. You, amen? You can't be rescued if you're in the pit of sin. I mean, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't believe you're not in the pit of sin, if you believe you're a good person getting better, I'm just a really good person. I just, no, you're not. I'm not. I, like, 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 people today think, I'm, th think about this. Okay, let's go this way. I've shared this before. You see this in children. Like, do you have to carry your child to disobedience classes? Like, my child's perfect. I know some of y'all think that, but nobody else does, just so you know. It's like dogs. Nobody loves your dog as much as you do. You bring out a restaurant and blow it hair everywhere. Nobody loves your child. Nobody wants to hear your baby cry. Like, right, you love them, but nobody is like, Ugh. You may believe they're perfect. Nobody else does. Children, if you're saying, I, I'm not, I don't believe we're born into sin, Kevin. We're just good people getting better, right? We're not. Children are taught to, I mean, they literally, in their nature, it teaches them in their nature to rebel, to not share, to lie, like inside of us that's, that, that's there because we're born into it. And so we have to understand our true nature. And, that's, and if you understand that and you humbly say, yes, I, I'm in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. I live in sin. I can't even trust myself. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Scriptures. I can't trust my heart. The heart above all things, it, it's desperately wicked. It's deceitful. Like, like I, I need the Word of God to guide me and to lead me, that as I read it, the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate the Scriptures, and that is what I have to trust. And, and if you understand your true nature, and God's nature, and His plan through Christ, 
then your life will be changed. But, but here's what I, my, my fear, and here's what I'm scared of here. And it's this. Being indifferent towards reading the Bible is just as bad as being an atheist. Why is that? Because we are told the Scripture is to be lived, not just believed. Over and over, he, for he who hears my words and does not do them, it's like a man who built his, his, his home upon sand, and the winds and waves can be blown away, but those who hear my, word, hear my words and do them, Jesus said, built upon a rock, foundation. James says this, he says, those who hear my word, who believe him, sit in church. I believed a good book, Pastor. It's not good enough. He who listens and believes a good book, but does not do them. James, the half-brother of Jesus. And if you ever are skeptical of Christianity, if your brother calls you Lord, you know it's got to be serious. <laughs> he said that if you don't do them, if you don't live them out, if you don't search and hunger and live and obey, here's what happens. He said you deceive yourself. And that's some serious deception. You can deceive and manipulate somebody else. You do it yourself. That's serious. He says, like a man who goes and looks into a mirror, he sees what he's like and then walks away and forgets. Friends, the Word of God is meant to be lived, not, not just believed. It's meant to be digested. It's meant, I, I, I love what Jeremiah said in my favorite verses. He said, I found your words and I ate them and they were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Like literally, Jeremiah's like, like, I, I found your words, and I just devoured it. This thing became my life. It was a joy and rejoicing in my heart. And so what you have to understand about Scripture, it's not just to be believed. I hope you do believe it, because I, I do. It's the infallible, inspired Word of God, but it's meant to be lived. Why? Because God sent Scripture for one reason. He sent Scripture to shape us. That's why He sent it. Not only just to reveal the plan of God and to show nature, but ultimately, to shape our lives, to be molded into his image, to be image bearers of Christ. And so here's what Paul wrote to Timothy about the word of God. And some of you may know this. If you don't, this is one of the key scriptures here. Um, is 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. Paul wrote to this young pastor, his protege. He said, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you can trust those who taught you. For you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. I love this. All Scripture. How much? All. Oh, good job. You guys are awake here on the 4th of July weekend. Is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. When you read it, God's going to show you what is true and then what is wrong in your life. And he says it corrects us. When we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's what the scriptures are. It's meant to correct you, to comfort you, to rebuke you, to show you what God's plan is. Any, whatever you desire to be in your life, whatever you want to be, the future you, for your child, what you want your, future, your child to be in the future, this will get you there. This will shape you into the very image of God as you read it, as you obey, as you yield to the Holy Spirit, as you come to things and say, this is unacceptable in my life. For Jesus says this, I'm going to obey Jesus. Your life will be changed. But here are two attributes that you have to have if that's going to be true for you. And I'm telling you, throughout the years of ministry, there's about 
there's less than one percent listening today that will actually get this but the people who get this it is crazy what their life will look like when they get this number one be hungry be hungry for the scriptures you say kevin i'm not hungry if you're not just be honest i'm not beating you up you don't have to tell me just go to god there's been seasons in my life i've just not been hungry for the word i went to school for it i mean, studied the greek like there's times i can be honest i just wasn't hungry so you know what i did told the Lord, God, I'm not hungry like I used to be. Help create hunger inside of my heart for your word, God. For I know that in your word is life and it breathes life and it changes. Be hungry. The second thing you have to do is be humble. Not just hungry, but humble. Prideful people will not be hungry for the word of God. The question you want to ask somebody in their life to see if they're legit or not, if they pose themselves as strong believers, because a lot of people do that. They can play, people can play the church game really well. Do you know that? For years, get really deeply involved, but they're not hungry and they're definitely not humble. You know what? Here's a question you've got to ask. What has God been showing you through his word lately that you need to change in your life? Not the world. You're not preaching the sermon. I've got to answer that question honestly to you, like, right? Like, like when I sit down to scriptures, I've got to know what God's saying about different things in my life and what I need to do to change it. That's humility. And if, you're not, if you don't have humility, you can never be shaped by the word of God because it, it requires the Lord calling you out in love, saying you can be better, you can grow past this, I see more in you. And not only does he say that to you, but you know what happens when you read the word? The Holy Spirit then empowers you to do it. It's not a book. It's not a self-help book. It's a transformational book by the Holy Spirit that speaks to you, that transforms your heart. So how do you do it? You're hungry and you're humble. And I've been praying for you this week, and I want to pray for you now because when you leave here, I pray. And listen to this. You don't have to be a scholar. Let me just say this. I, you don't have to understand everything in the Bible. When I first started reading the Bible, I didn't understand a thing about it. I started in the New Testament. But here's what I did, guys. Whatever I did understand, I wrote down and tried to memorize it, scripture by scripture. Whatever made sense to me, I just, just understood that, and I shelved the rest. I'll get back to that later. I'll figure that out some other time. I didn't stop on one thing. I couldn't figure it out and just stop reading. I began to memorize scripture. It's better for you to take one verse each day and to ask the question, what must I do with this verse, than to just try to read through the Bible because it's transformational. And here's what happens when you do that. You begin to reflect the image of God to the world, the image of Christ that makes people hungry for Christ. And that's my prayer for you. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray for all of us in here that we would be like the Bereans, hungry for scriptural truth, Lord. That, Father, as a church, we would teach scriptural truth we wouldn't teach just talks or messages or sermons, but God, we would help people at Thrive be hungry for scriptural truth. Help us as those who teach and preach. And I pray for those who are the partakers in here, for everybody in here watching online, sitting in here, that they would be hungry for scriptural truth, Lord. Make them hungry for the word of God. And Father, I pray there are people right now who want a different life who want to be different, who don't like things about themselves. 
who know there's, they just know there's more inside of them. Father, I pray that this message would change their life, that the one quality would, that would change everything, they would go after you by searching the scriptures, reading the scriptures, praying that you would help them understand the scriptures. We are thankful, God, for the Bible. We are thankful for a book, a love letter, and a job description that you've given us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be hungry for that one thing that would change everything in our lives. And today as we're praying church in this mode of prayer, maybe you're watching online or you're here today physically. And you say, Kevin, I'm not hungry for scripture because I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you'll be honest, I used to be really hungry and I used to like go to church and but I walked away a long time ago. And I've not been active in my faith and I want to be all in for Jesus. I want to serve him. I want to give my life to him. If that's you today, Whatever boat you're in, your heavenly Father is calling you to himself right now. And he's asking you, he's speaking to you right now. And he's saying this, he's saying, come home. So right where you're at right now, I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, yes, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself by being good. So today, I turn to Jesus. I confess Jesus as my Lord, and I submit to him. Today, I believe that he died on the cross, and that he rose again on the third day. I repent of all of my sins. I receive full forgiveness and I receive your Holy Spirit. Now God, help me to hunger for your word and to grow in your word. In Jesus' good name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate for everybody who made that decision. Every week somebody makes that decision. Last week, just at our Richmond campus, I saw Pastor Mark yesterday and I scared the daylights out of him. Um, if you saw the video on social media, you saw that. Um, he said two people last week gave their life to Jesus while Pastor Keith preached there at Richard. Every week people are giving their life to Jesus. I love it, right? It's amazing. If you did that, that's the best decision of your life. But for all of us, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want us to worship the Lord today. Don't try to sneak out, get away. Have an intimate time with God where we begin to focus on His goodness and His faithfulness.